Welcome back to Russell Street Replay. This is another edition of our offseason podcast. This week, we're doing a full preview of the defense heading into the offseason. With me, as always, is Ron Tooth. And joining us once again is Ben Dacu, the junior Sooner himself. Gentlemen, great to have you back. Uh, it's great to be here, dude. And Ben's becoming a bit of a regular with us. I like to see it. Not for long with that nickname, Nikhil. <laughs> <laughs> It was a mistake. It was a mistake letting us call you that once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're previewing. <laughs> we're, we're previewing the defense this week. And it's it's an interesting offseason for the defense, starting with the uh, kind of sudden and I guess not shocking, but a little bit surprising departure of, of defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale. You know, th- that decision, there's been a couple other uh, assistant coaches have departed, been replaced by some other guys. Zach Orr, former linebacker, has come come back to the team. and He's now coaching our inside linebackers. Uh, what do these coaching decisions tell you about what the Ravens think of their defensive personnel and what their personnel plans are for the offseason? For me, it tells me that they would like to get younger. I mean, not even just with the coaching decisions, but I mean, just as a logical conclusion, when you look at the age of so many of the guys that were on the defensive line, it's they almost have to get younger there. You know, when you look at Calais and Brandon Williams and these guys who we're not even sure if they're going to be back. And if they are, it's not going to be for long. I mean, both of them are on the wrong, well on the wrong side of 30. Even if they are still productive, I don't want to make it seem like they're just, you know, throw them out because both of them could still play a lick, but Getting younger on the defense is definitely going to be a priority, as well as bringing in guys who can just get home with four on the defensive line. I mean, that was a big emphasis from Mike McDonald at Michigan. We saw last year how he was able to help Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson evolve into, you know, pretty much surefire top five or 10 draft picks, depending on which one you're talking about. So I would say definitely younger and with an emphasis on bringing in guys who can get home with four. Yeah, I was definitely shocked to see. Uh, I was on vacation uh, when I got that uh, notification on my phone. I had, it had woken me up from a nap, and I see it on my phone. Wink Martindale has been fired. I was honestly, I was shocked. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, but what it says to me in general that, uh, and the fact that he got fired and Greg Roman didn't, is that Wink was unwilling to make certain changes to the defense and Greg Roman was willing to make adjustments to the offense. But I do agree with you, Ron. I do think it's uh, getting younger is a big part of that. I mean, Mike McDonald is 34, so he's quite a bit younger than pretty much any defensive coordinator the Ravens have had in their 25 years of history. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see what he does. I don't know how much different he's going to be from Wink from a scheme perspective. Um, it's something that he has in common with Wank is that he shows a big variety of looks like he, uh, like technically it is a three, four, but with he, it can be a variety of different fronts to show opposing offenses. So it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think McDonald being hired obviously links you to those Michigan defenders that you mentioned, obviously Hutchinson is not going to be anywhere close to an option, but Ajabo and, you know, even Daxon Hill and not just because those are the top Michigan defensive prospects, but because they flourished under McDonald, he helped really unlock them as players at Michigan. And so I think that's part of why they're getting some talk about connections to the Ravens. 
I think another thing you mentioned, Ron, you know, getting home with four is, is what we think about what their scheme plans could be uh, for 2022, some changes that we see. And I think one thing that we see is less blitzing, um, but will we be willing to go to the other extreme of, say, dropping eight into coverage uh, like the Chiefs or like the Bengals did against the Chiefs, for example, in that second half in the uh, AFC championship game? Um, will we be willing to go to those extremes? And so if, if we do choose to do that, uh, I think we're going to have to prioritize defensive line edge pass rusher early in the draft, because if you want to be able to get home with three, if you want to drop seven or eight into coverage, you have to be able to get some semblance of pressure on occasion with three or four, or not even on occasion with, with a, with a decent bit of consistency. So I think that's what I'm going to be looking for in terms of hints as to what their, what their scheme plans are. Yeah, and that actually, yeah, that kind of leads into our next, uh, this, what we're going to talk about in terms of what it means for the what the defensive scheme. That's going to be it. It's going to be the major emphasis on getting home with four. And also, I think, I think John wanted things to be a lot more calculated. Uh, I think that Wink, especially towards the end, was a little too blitz happy. And obviously, a lot of that was trying to overcompensate for the lack of talent in the secondary once people started dropping like flies. But I mean, I'm going to guess to Ben's point that that was probably the sticking point for John and, and on Wink's end, it was probably, you know, I don't want to compromise my defensive scheme to the way that I want to run it perfectly because then if it fails, you know, this is not my defense, but I'm still going to be judged like that, even though this isn't how I would run it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, we can, you know, kind of jump into our categories, just thinking about uh, our, our, our off season preview here. Uh, one thing I realized we forgot to go over last week was just like the biggest re-sign candidate, the one candidate on the offense that you would want. So we'll do that for both the offense and the defense to kick it off. I um, I'll go ahead and start uh, for the offense. Uh, you know, I think Bozeman is going to be a leading candidate. Uh, but I think one of the other guys I wouldn't mind seeing back is Devonta Freeman, our newcomer of the year on this podcast. He just looked really good in our scheme. He had plenty of juice as a rusher. I just felt like at the line of scrimmage, he was consistently turning, you know, one to two yard carries into three to four yard gains. And while that's nothing spectacular, it was still decent when we didn't have any other running backs and he looked really good as a receiver. So I think he's a guy I wouldn't mind having back as a potential third running back next year. What about you guys on the offensive? Uh, I, my personal choice is Pat Ricard. He's just so integral to this team, not only from a schematic standpoint, but just, the chemistry he's built with Lamar over the years in the backfield and knowing where to go. He's the perfect fullback for this scheme in a day where fullback, I mean, most, a lot of teams in the league don't even roster a fullback. Um, Of course, it's going to come down to how much he wants and what he's going to command. But in a day and age where fullbacks aren't really, you know, I mean, they're getting the running back treatment now. They're not out breaking the bank in free agency and things like that. He's the one for me that I think is the most important in bringing back, especially with Dobbins and Edwards coming off the knee injuries. They're going to need all the help up front that they can get uh, in terms of creating holes and things like that. So uh, for me, it's definitely Ricard. Yeah, I agree with Ron. I mean, without with Boyle dealing with his knee injury that he suffered in 2020, I mean, we didn't really have – I mean, uh, Ricard didn't even wasn't even fullback uh, a lot of the time last season. He was lining up a lot as a tight end. Like he can fill both of those roles for the Ravens if they ask him to. So I just feel like with how versatile he is, and he he was even getting more involved in the passing game this year. That's not. Necessarily <laughs> I was going to say he's an ex receiver too. Not necess- that's not necessarily something we want. But, 
<laughs> Speak um, for yourself. Nikhil does. <laughs> um, I feel like um, he can like he can line up as a pass blocking tight end. He can block for you in the backfield. He can run out for passes if you want him to. And we didn't really see it that much this year, but he can be that guy you give the ball to on a third and one or a fourth and one. Like the guy is 300 pounds. Good luck bringing him down quickly. So, and I mean, Bozeman was just so good. He didn't skip a beat when he switched from guard back to center that what he played at back at Alabama. So, I mean, either of them, I would be, I would love to keep, but if I had to pick one, Ooh, I think I'd go with Ricard just because it's really hard to find fullbacks uh, like him nowadays. Um, and as long as Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator and we're going to be running a run, a run, a very power heavy offense with the running game, I want Patrick Ricard. Yeah, so uh, a couple things. One, this is still the official home of the Wild Pat. <laughs> if, if Patrick Ricard wants to hang out in the Wild Pat for, for a couple plays a game, I'm totally down to watch that. Again, have fun tackling him. I'm not sure how they'll find a way to stop it. Uh, but two, yeah, I think, that, by the way, yeah, really. Uh, but two, Bozeman, I think, played even better at center than he has at guard. And I think the, the only tough part is that everyone needs offensive line help. A lot of teams that have cap space need offensive line help. And so it's going to be hard for his age to pay a competitive rate for him because people are going to. Teams will have premium for the fact that he is, what, 26. He's been relatively uninjured in his career. Um, you know, just a durable guy, good center, but can also give you good play at either guard position. So I, I'm just afraid of how much it'll cost to keep him. Ricard, on the other hand, I think we can find something where we'll pay him a little bit more than any other team would, but not so much more that it's, you know, a crazy amount against our cap. I definitely think there's something to be done there because he's not quite a juice check type where he's able to, do quite as much in the passing game as uh, juice checker or another, I can't think of a good example, but another more pass catching fullback might be able to, while he certainly is deadly out of the backfield. He's not the kind of guy you would want to design anything around. Uh, let's swing it back Ricard around more of a, Oh, sorry. I think no, you'd call, I think you'd call Ricard more of a true fullback than use check. I mean, he's a lot bigger than use check. He blocks more than use check. And, exactly. I mean, he is he is less athletic than Juszczyk. So, like you said, it, he does offer less in that respect. But, I mean, I don't – I think it would be easier to keep Ricard than it would be easier to keep Bozeman. Oh, totally. And and like you said, Ben, that that power, that smash mouth football that 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 the Ravens run and that you want you want to see us get back to a little bit that we may have we may have missed last season. Ricard is a big part of that. Uh, let me swing it back around uh, to you, Ben, for defense. Who is the biggest resign candidate you'll want back? Now, I feel like if they were to bring him back, it would be a bit more of a Terrell Suggs role. In, and what I mean by that is he would be mostly used for rotational purposes. Uh, I think it's Clayus Campbell. I think the guys that we have that are younger on the defensive line, are. I think they're still just too young to really hand them the keys. You know what I mean? So I feel like getting Clayus Campbell for one more year, kind of like one last hurrah, see if we can get him a ring, but also just that presence that he brings. And he's still playing at a pretty good level. I mean, we noticed when he was out last year, he's, his performance wasn't an issue at all. Like he's not, his age isn't showing as much as you think it would this late in his career. So I think if we could put him like, I don't know, 50% of snaps, I think that would get, get the Ravens. I mean, good impact for a good price potentially. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Uh, and 
on top of just sort of the mentorship role he would bring to those guys, the young guys in the defensive front, I think it would probably even be less than 50% of snaps that he'd be playing. So on top of being able to teach these guys, these younger guys, they'd be getting valuable playing time along the way, the majority of the playing time along the way, while Calais can still, you know, come in for those, you know, what, 10, 15 snaps a game, whatever. I mean, I don't know what he's trying to do at this point in his career in terms of playing time. Maybe he wants to go somewhere else that would give him more snaps a game. But if he were back here next year, I would probably imagine it's less than that 50% mark. So it would be, it would be, it would be good to bring him back if the price is right. Um, Speaking of prices, right? Because this price is definitely going to be right. My choice is uh, Josh Bynes. It's definitely kind of an under the radar sort of thing. And he's another guy who probably next year as he, you know, passes another year after 30, who won't be on the field for the vast majority of snaps, but he's a coach on the field. He'll probably be a coach when he's not playing this game anymore. And middle linebackers, probably a spot where you would expect them to bring in another guy this year to play alongside queen, depending on how they feel about Malik Harrison. I guess we're still not sure yet, but, from what we've seen, he's probably not going to be that consistent force next to Queen that's going to be able to help in the run game and the passing game. So having a guy like Bynes there for that sort of stability, kind of like in that role that, well, he played this year and in the couple years prior, LJ Fort played. So it'll probably be a veteran, uh, excuse me, a veteran minimum contract as well. So he, he would definitely be my choice. Yeah, and Fort is another one that he's he technically mm-hmm. is he's hitting free agency, and I think one of the two of them were, were all but guaranteed to bring back. You know, kind of going through the rest, Anthony Averett, Justin Houston, Houston, I would love to have back for uh, you know another cheap deal. I don't think he, you know, jumped off the jumped off the field in terms of his performance in 2021, but he definitely played well enough that I want him back around. And I think it would, I think it's a good fit between player and team for what he's looking for in his career. And again, that thing where he doesn't have to play so many snaps, even though he can play both the pass and the run at a really high level, definitely want him back. Um, But it depends on how much he wants. If he really wants another big deal, it's going to be hard to afford him. And he and Anthony Averett, I think are the two that are going to be the easiest to at least replace depth wise through the draft. Elliot is a tough one. He could be cheap because of the injuries, Deshaun Elliott, but I don't know if I want him back because of all the injuries. And the other question is, does that take us out of the running of going after a premier safety in the draft or free agency? Because if that's the case, I'd rather take a shot. Um, So I think all told, it really is Campbell, that type of player that can play the run and the pass interior, the defensive line. So well leader, special teams, all of it. Can't think of a player on the defense. Honestly, any Raven, I think, probably of all of them, I'd probably want Campbell back the most, maybe even more than Ricard. I just, I think for one more season, while we are waiting for Matabuke and maybe whoever we draft in the interior of the defensive line to be ready to be that really high-impact player every down, having Campbell in the room will be important, I think. So, Uh, yeah, really quick. And just before, yeah, before we move on from Campbell too, I think what is kind of understated about him is he's, He's like the adult in the room, in the entire locker room at this point. I mean, when you look at the offense, you look how young it is. And, you know, Lamar is a great leader, but he doesn't really come off as that leader who's going to, you know, get everybody together and say, you got to do this and you got to do that. And, you know, all that sort of stuff from maybe a logistical standpoint. So I think his biggest value is that he's kind of like the, uh, you know, the elder statesman, the sage in the room. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, he's the one in the press conferences taking accountability for, you know, this isn't good enough on the defense. We got to fix this. We got to go draw, go to back to the drawing board. And so, you know, he's also just so cerebral in my tail of the tape pieces this season, you know, so many clips of him just throwing guys around. And so as long as those injuries don't linger over the off season, definitely lower the snap count, but I want him back. Uh, Moving on to biggest position of need. Uh, what do we think is the, like the biggest position of need for the defense this off season? Kick us off, Ben. I mean, after assume, I don't think we'll be able to keep him in free agency. So I think it's got to be corner at this point. I mean, we saw what happens, uh, especially in what the NFL is now with the, in such a pass heavy league, every quarterback, it feels like can go for 40 plus attempts on you any given week. So I feel like corner is becoming a very big need for us, especially if Marcus Peters isn't quite ready to go out of the gate. And we also don't know if Jimmy is coming back or if he's going to retire. And even if he does come back, how big would his role be? So, yeah, I got to go with corner. Yeah, I can't say I disagree. Uh, The number, the the two that I had written down is uh, cornerback and pass rusher. Uh, we'll touch on corner here for a second. Yeah, we don't know what Marcus will be when he's back. I'm sure he'll come back and be effective. Uh, that's what I would bet my money on, but you never know. These injuries are tough. Uh, Averitt will likely be gone. Who knows if Tavon Young will be back, even though he's coming off a really solid year, his first year that he wasn't that wasn't just plagued by injuries in a very long time. Um, and in terms of pass rusher, I mean, that one's just kind of glaring. I mean, we saw it this year. Even with Houston and OA taking a lot of steps forward throughout the course of the year, they just they need more bodies there. They need more guys that they can rotate in on a consistent basis and not rely on a 30X-year-old Justin Houston, you know what I mean, to come in and play the majority of the snaps. Or a guy like Pernell McPhee, who's got kind of the same thing going. They need to get stronger, younger, and faster there. And I think that that's probably the most important right now on the assumption that Marcus Peters will be back and will be 100%. Now, if he's not, then corner probably jumps to the top of that list for all the reasons Ben just stated. You know, it's funny that corner is a, like we think about corner as this really big position of need when we're returning to all pros, our starter in the slot, Chris Westry, who started plenty of game for us last season, Brandon Stevens, who can start, or at least play corner for us for extended stretches. And not that I disagree. I think it just speaks to the importance of cornerbacks in this league and the, the arms race that we're facing in the, in the NFC or in the AFC North. And so, you know, that, that, that I had that written down, uh, but you know, for me, it's, it's pass rush. And I think it's just defensive line in general, you know, the defensive interior, I think Matabuke has shown flashes and I think he's well positioned to be a starter next year, but we need someone next to him. I think there we've got some younger guys who, will certainly be solid rotational depth, but a top, a top tier young prospect is, is definitely, I think in the cards and edge is the other thing, especially after Ty it, without Ty's Bowser's injury. I'm a little less worried about the edge position because we have two solid starters in Bowser and OA. We have Dalen Hayes who really struggles with injuries, but if he can, if he can stay healthy, I think he can be an effective rotational player. And Jalen Ferguson, I at least feel comfortable playing him on early downs. And so, you know, you wouldn't think Edge Harbaugh is that big of a deal. Harbaugh doesn't feel comfortable playing him on early downs. 
I mean, he was, I mean, again, with the, it was partially because of the injuries, but by the end of the season, he was playing a fair bit and he actually, he actually looked okay in run defense. He's not getting to the quarterback like he did in college, but he, he's not a liability, I guess, in early downs in the way that I felt like he might've been a year or two ago. Um, and, but I think with Bowser's injury, it does, it does bring edge close to the top of that, close to the top of that list now, because you do want to be able to have guys who can just pin their ears back and get to the passer. And while I think OA and Bowser are both capable of doing that, Bowser's injured and OA seems like both of them seem like they have a lot more that the Ravens want to do with them, which is totally fine. But at the same time, you do kind of want someone who's able to just beat the, beat the other team's tackles and get to the quarterback. Right. Um, so kind of on that note, moving on to biggest free agency targets, one of the ones that would be a big swing, but it feels like could be a Ravens move instead of going for Justin Houston. If we wanted to upgrade a little bit on our veteran edge rusher, Chandler Jones, it's a name I've been seeing connected with the Ravens a little bit more on Twitter recently. And for good reason, he, you know, seems like he's at that point in his career where he, where he wants, where he wants a ring and, who the hell knows what's going on with Arizona and Kyler Murray. Uh, but Jones has been vocal about wanting out in the past. And while he didn't force his way out this past season because his value was simply too high after the way he started, which shows he's still a premier pass rusher. He'll be, he, he's a, he's a little bit older this season. And I think we might be able to grab him for the right amount. If, especially since we can promise him, you know, plenty of playing time at the start of the season, but the ability to manage his snaps more as the year goes on after Bowser comes back. Uh, what else did you guys have for big free agency targets? Uh, yeah, well, I definitely like that. You know, Chandler Jones, I mean, his first few games kind of inflated his stats for the whole season when it was all said and done. And I think a lot of teams probably see that. So he's kind of that prime classic guy that the Ravens bring in. You know what I mean? Veteran guy who may not have been coming off his best year overall, who's looking for a place to kind of regain his footing and play for a contender. I mean, it would be perfect. I can't really think of a better fit for him. My choice in terms of a big swing was uh, JC Jackson, the corner from New England. Uh, he's already been voicing his displeasure, I guess we'll say, on social media as of late with the Patriots' handling of his contract situation or lack thereof, I guess we could say. Uh, one of the fastest rising kind of young players at that position in the league. And I don't know if he's going to command a contract that – is going to be breaking records, but I think he would really, really help this defense and solidify a secondary that needs to be solidified due to that arms race that you mentioned to kill with Mahomes and Josh Allen. And I mean, we'll go down the list. We do this all the time. Um, so yeah, JC Jackson in my mind would be a, would be a great acquisition if they can get him for a decent price. I like that pick artist, ball Hawk takeaways, big thing we need on this defense, Ben, mm -hmm. Uh, see, I'm going to kind of cheat here, so bear with me. Um, my big target is that I don't really want uh, a big target on defense. I think if we are going to make a big swing in free agency this year, I don't personally, I don't really think this is the year to do it. I think this is more of a year where we saw what, what happens when we don't really have a lot of depth. And, I mean, we're not going to lose our top three corners again to injury, God willing. God, um, God don't you say that. Um, I I'm knocking as loud as I can on my wooden desk right now. Ow, um, my knuckles. But, I mean, one, like, just for example, one target that I've seen is Tyron Matthew. 
And I mean, at most, the Ravens are going to have $29 million in cap this year, uh, assuming they make a few moves before uh, free agency opens up. And I just don't know if making a big swing at one guy and using up a bunch of that cap room, especially when Lamar doesn't have a contract yet, is really the way to go. So I would rather... I'd rather make a few cheaper acquisitions. Like I would much rather get rather get a Chandler Jones than a JC Jackson or a Tyree or than a, or a Tyre Tyre Matthew. Okay, so you'd rather go pass rush than than cornerback in free agency. Yeah, and I or think um, I just especially I think I'd rather and if they were to make a swing, I'd rather go on the defensive line than the secondary because we're already giving. Marlin and Peters big money so like we're gonna give another guy in the secondary big money like that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me yeah you know I think I think for 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 those targets you have to have a really clear idea of what you're missing in the defense and and that's that's a good point when you say I'm not sure if this is the year to take a big swing because I'm not sure what's missing in this defense uh we've talked about Brandon Stevens a lot and I've you know I'm curious to see what their plan is with him and I also think if if the defensive back additions that I would probably prefer are going to be in the draft over free agency. So I think, I think the edge rush and defensive line is, is where I'd want to go as well. Um, moving on to the under the radar free agent targets, uh, you know, Ben, you seem to have some, some guys in mind. It would seem like if you're not looking for any big swings, there are probably some under the radar guys, some impact players. Who you think you could be important to the Ravens in 2022? What are, who are some of those names? Well, you kind of stole mine uh, earlier when you said Chandler Jones. I was gonna, I was gonna lead with that. But um, in terms of free agency, I mean, I, I really like Justin Houston. I mean, I know it's that uh, it's not overly sexy or anything like that. But what, whatever Wink asked him to do, he did it well. And maybe with uh, Mike McDonald as the defensive coordinator, maybe if we could get him more consistent reps in uh, pass rushing scenarios, maybe he would do better next year. But I, I think I would rather just hang on to Justin Houston and see what he can bring, not just the team, but maybe just another year of being in the room with Owe and see what can happen with those two. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely wouldn't hate to bring Houston back, especially just given the circumstances of like how he came here in general and how he took a lot less money on a one-year deal than probably most teams would have offered him at the beginning, and he kind of waited it out, and he was always steadfast, at least – he said that he always kind of really wanted to join the Ravens and that was his choice. And he really wanted to make that work. So yeah, that'd be awesome for me. Uh, mine is also in the pass rusher department. Mine is Melvin Ingram. You know, there was a lot of kind of rumblings last year that there was a little bit of interest and in that maybe it was between Houston and Ingram in terms of who they were going to sign. And then Ingram goes and signs with Pittsburgh. There's, you know, not really, a great relationship there. They ship him off to Kansas city and he made a pretty, a few decent plays for them down the stretch that really helped him get out of that early season sort of funk that they were in, at least on that side of the ball, really helped sure things up. He's a free agent again. I'm sure the chiefs will make a big play to resign him, but if he's again, just looking to test the waters and looking for a place where he'd have an opportunity. I mean, I venture to say he'd get, a pretty good majority of the snaps coming to Baltimore. Yeah, I think I think those are I think those are some interesting ones. I think some others that I want to throw out. 
the defensive interior is just a really interesting group. You know, there's Campbell, obviously, but then there's also some guys uh, like Akeem Hicks, Ndamukong Sousa, free agent, some veterans that you could bring in probably for pretty cheap. Uh, Linval Joseph is another one, but the one that really intrigues me is Sebastian Joseph Day from the Rams. He's coming off and he's coming off a decent injury last season, which might help with with this price point. But I just think he's a uh, just a really solid interior run stopper who showed some pass rush upside. Obviously that's going to happen when you're next to Aaron Donald. Uh, but I think in terms of just a good guy to have that might not be super expensive though, even though he is a, he is more of a veteran uh, would be Sebastian Joseph day. And another one uh, I had Marcus may, you know, we, we've talked about some premier safety signings, but if we were looking for kind of a reliable zone safety, I think Marcus May would be a good one. That's a little bit more, a little bit cheaper, obviously not going to be expensive as Tyron Matthew or Marcus Williams would be, uh, but could probably still do plenty of solid, just single high split or split safety looks that get, uh, that give Brandon Stevens a little bit more freedom in terms of what his role is, because I think that's one thing the Ravens might be looking to do defensively this season with him. So moving on from free agency, uh, let's talk about day one draft targets. And uh, for the moment, let's talk about uh, first, just someone that you are looking for at 14. Uh, but then if you do have anything to say about someone that you would trade up or trade back for, uh, be sure to mention them as well. Yeah. Uh, so the, the two that I had written down here are uh, David Ajabo and Jordan Davis. Either of those guys I'd be ecstatic with. Obviously, we could, we we know about the connections with Ojabo and McDonald. I mean, <clears throat> we can we can run down all the stuff that we've said about Ojabo on this show in the past month a million times. But really, the on the field production kind of speaks for itself. And I know some people would like to make the argument that maybe having Aiden Hutchinson on the other side is was the reason that Ojabo was so great. And I would just counter that with. Or maybe the reason Hutchinson was so great was because Ojabo was on the other side. So it's really a chicken or the egg thing. But either way, Ojabo would be a great fit. And Jordan Davis, obviously out of Georgia, we're looking to get younger on the defensive line. And while he may be a little older than your general draft prospect, he's still a young guy. He could still bring a whole lot to this team in terms of the run game. I know there's some questions on whether he's a true free down guy, whatever but he's an absolute force in the middle there and he would bring a lot and probably be one of the guys in this draft that would provide the most immediate type of impact. Um, if the Ravens were to stand Pat at 14 and David Ojibo is, is there, I, I don't see them trading down if, if he's there. Um, I just feel like if they were to take him, that's our pass rushing duo for the next five years in him and Owe. like that, that's going to be, an absolute pain like just in the AFC North I would want those two guys to get after Baker whoever the Steelers are going to have a quarterback next year and Joe Burrow for the night like that's five years of production out of two very talented pass rushers but if they weren't going to but for whatever reason if they couldn't get him like if they were going to either trade down or just go in a different direction there hmm Oh, I got to think about this for a second. Um, I think they would have to make trade down to the, into like the last few picks in the first round, but I like Kyir Elam. He's big, he's physical. There are a lot of good receivers in the SEC that he had not a lot of trouble with. And I know that Ravens fans don't really like that last <laughs> name that is attached to him. Uh, his uncle or cousin or whatever it is, uh, 
didn't have a very good history in Baltimore, but I think, uh, I, I mean, what are the odds that can happen again? I think, I think we can only do it if we take him with the same pick that we took his uncle, his uncle, Matt Elam, a first round uh, draft pick of the Ravens in the mid 2000 teens, uh, bust, just the only way to put it bust. And I think we should, we can only take his nephew, Kyer, the cornerback out of the university of Florida, if we take it with the same pick, it might have been like 25 or 26. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, uh, day one draft, was, wasn't uh, it? It was 32, it was 32. wasn't it? Yeah, it, was it was actually 32. Was, oh, yeah, then we should trade Bowl. all the way back that to 32. The, that was the super, that was the the year after the Super Bowl. So, yeah, that was Get 32. The... But yeah, if they wanted, if they wanted him, they would need to trade back. And honestly, this, if Ojibo gets taken and the Ravens trade back, this is with how deep this defensive draft class is. Trading back if Ojibo is gone, that could set the Ravens up pretty good in the first three rounds. They're already set up really nicely, but it's Ben's got this mad scientist look in his eye right now. I think Ron and I are both (laughs) chuckling at the same thing. Ben's like, I'm going to trade back and get all the defenders, which I'm so on board for because 14 is such a weird spot to pick because you like, if you're sitting at 11 or 12, you can guarantee that one of the teams picking the top 10 because they lost so many games last season and are picking the top 10 will be stupid enough to pick someone who's not a top 10 prospect. And you're going to have someone fall to you at 14. You're not going to be that lucky. You're going to have, you're going to be shooting for a top 15 player at 14. And that's obviously not as good as a top 10 player. And so unless there's a guy you really want right in the middle of the first round trading back to get, you know, if we traded back to the twenties, we picked up another day two pick, depending on where it was, I'd be willing to give up a pick on day three as well. You know, this, this draft class from prospects like 15 to 60, it's just quality and there's not a lot to differentiate them. And so, you know, in this case with, with the need to stack up on cheap young talent, a trading back might work, but for, for draft targets for me, you know, this day one, this 14 spot, I'm thinking defensively, I want guys who are just playmakers. They're going to make impact. Um, and they can do that in a variety of ways. So I got three guys I want to talk about. Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, defensive lineman who can play anywhere along the defensive line. He can pass rush from the interior. He can set the edge against the run. And he can even drop back into coverage. I mean, talk about a do-it-all guy. He, I just think he can do a lot in terms of just executing different assignments in a way that, uh, you know, Matabuke, it seems like he's really good in his one-on-ones, but in terms of being able to help execute those stunts, he's not, he's not as advanced in that. The other two guys I'm curious about are Nicobe Dean and Devin Lloyd. I know the inside linebacker isn't thought of as a big need, uh, but at the same time, you know, I do think that they're two really high, just really good prospects. They're just football players. They're players. And, I think there's potential for either of them to do a bunch of different things in the defense. Again, playing the run, rushing the passer, getting back in coverage, all things that they can do, but because they can do all of those things, they can stand on the edge of the line of scrimmage and the quarterback doesn't know if they're coming at them or not. And that is just a generally dangerous weapon to have that you're not really going to see in a guy like Ojabo. Ojabo really is a hand in the dirt. I'm going to rush the passer kind of guy uh, where some of these other guys have shown pass rushing chops in college, uh, but they're not thought typically as, 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 traditional edge rushers it gives them a lot of versatility so depending on what mcdonald's looking for in the defense they could be interesting options um in terms of trade i'm not sure there's go for I'm it i'm gonna make a prediction 
if Oj- if Ojabo isn't there at 14, they will trade back. I, I mean, I don't I mean that's a that's a tough prediction because I also could just see them going with the best corner on the board. That that's the thing that's remaining for me is when in doubt at 14, the other thing is depending on the offers. I think a similar thing happened last year would be my guess with the 31st pick is that they shopped it, but they couldn't get any big offers because, you know, they wanted a decent second rounder back. Um, and we'd want to pick up, we would definitely want to pick up another day two pick if we traded back in the first round. And teams may not be willing to offer that because of the quality of the depth. And so I think there's a chance we're also just stuck at 14 and we do just have to bite the bullet and pick a player. And it's just so easy and it's smart to default to the best cornerback available at that point. Um, I don't know if there's any defender I'd want to trade up for, but in terms of trading back, there's plenty of guys. I would even be okay taking a guy like Devonta Wyatt at 14. Jordan Davis is Georgia teammate who I just feel like has a little bit more pass rushing juice and upside than Davis does. Uh, even though Davis is still just because Davis is a big run stopper doesn't mean he can't, he, he doesn't have a really explosive first step. He does, but I think Wyatt has a bitter bit of a better understanding of how to get to the passer um, and how to convert pressures into sacks specifically, instead of just beating his man, um, beating his man and being able to get to the quarterback. Uh, something that I actually discussed with uh, some people on a Twitter spaces this weekend. So I don't want to act like I'm stealing their ideas. Um, get, being able to beat your man and actually get to the quarterback is, is more important than just being able to beat your man. And it seems like Wyatt is able to do that. Moving on to the day two targets. We're just talking about, you know, the, the quality of the depth in this draft class, who are some day two draft targets you'd like to see the Ravens target? Uh, so for me, right at the top of my list, and maybe this is wishful thinking, it would probably take a trade up, maybe something crazy happens, but he's a guy that's probably going to go in the second round, I would say. And that's uh, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn state. He's a guy that I love. He's a great box safety. He can kind of do it all. He does a little bit of that center field stuff too, but he's a really hard hitter. He's got solid coverage skills and he really is just kind of a do it all kind of guy and very much plays with that. Raven sort of mindset and I'm sure you could say that about a lot of guys in this draft but just in watching Brisker I, I mean even even sort of a casual football fan can kind of tell like if you know how the Ravens play you're like oh yeah he, he would be a perfect fit for them so yeah Brisker's a guy that I'm really kind of falling in love with more and more as we get closer to the draft and I'm kind of hoping that other teams don't feel that way so that he will fall to us. <laughs> yeah, speaking of defensive backs that have that kind of play like a Raven feel, two that stand out to me, Jalen, I think it's Peter or Peter, I, I don't know how it's pronounced, but uh, out of Baylor, a guy who can play slot corner, box safety, deep safety, do a lot of different things, like some of the guys I was mentioning for the first round. But I think having two players like him and Brandon Stevens who can do a bunch of different things is, again, really helpful in terms of disguising coverages, which is another thing that I think the defense needs to needs to work on. Our scheme needs to have more disguised coverages. Um, and Daxon Hill um, out of Michigan, a guy who's familiar with Mike McDonald. And again, a guy who it felt like was really unlocked under McDonald. He can do that center field. He can play downhill against the run. But the thing that he, the thing that stands out to me about Hill is just, he can hang in man coverage. He can hang with receivers in man coverage as a safety. And that is again, so valuable because you're able to disguise blitzes and disguise coverages a lot better when the when the players who are at those pivot positions where they could be blitzing or they could be dropping into zone, they could be playing the man in front of them when they're able to do all three of those things. That's what makes those kinds of disguise mixed looks and mixed coverages actually dangerous. Ben, your day three target or day two targets. I'm going to do something shocking and I'm going to bring up a sooner. I know crazy. 
Stop the presses. <laughs> I sort of alluded to this last week, but if the Ravens don't get a Jabo in round one, uh, my dream pick is Nick Benito. No one had more pressures in the Big 12 than him last year. He's six foot three. He's 240 pounds. He's like he's big. He's fast, and he he just gets to the passer. That's just what he does. And isn't that what we want to put on the other side of uh, OA right now? Yeah, I mean that that is what you want. And again, Benito is one of those guys that the, in the day two, this is where the defensive interior, the defensive line depth in general is really excellent. You've got guys like uh, Drake Jackson out of uh, USC. You've got Fidarian Mathis out of Alabama, Travis Jones, Sam Williams out of Mississippi. There's just just so many edge rushers and defensive interior uh, interior defensive linemen on day two that. I'm just curious who's going to be there at 45 and 76 and, and where the Ravens make moves to get guys when, you know, every time there starts to be a bit of a run on, on a certain position uh, where the Ravens are and how they try and get involved when those runs happen. Because I think defensive tackle and edge are going to be two positions that once they start going in round two, they're just going to start falling off the, off the map. Arnold, uh, a Bechtier, I think is his name from Penn state. Another guy who they're just high floor edge defenders it seems like they're pretty so a lot of these guys are just pretty solid against the run and it showed plenty of pass rushing juice that you just kind of pick your flavor do you want a more kind of crafty speedier finesse rusher on the edge do you want a guy who can flip inside and 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 potentially be a power rusher on the inside as well someone like demarvin leal who was thought to be a top 10 pick coming into the season at, at uh, texas a&m and uh, has since just kind of fallen and he's fallen all the way into day two predictions these questions if he's going to be a top 50 pick and the kind of guy where if he falls far enough, you just, you snap him up because there's still a lot of talent in, in, in that player. And you hope that you can find a way to get it all out of him uh, like it did in previous seasons. So uh, I think, I think day two is the day I'm most looking forward to just where all of these different guys fall with the guys that fall out of the first round, the teams that are smart and snag them in early in the second round, you know, your T Higgins and things like that. And again, uh, I know on, it's uh, before we just move on Nikhil, just one more guy that I really wanted to mention. And I'm not sure he's another, I guess, could be borderline first rounder. He's kind of slowly starting to kind of cut like he started as a first rounder. And now it seems like they're sort of starting to project him more in the second. It seems like his hype is kind of evened out. <clears throat> it's uh, Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback from Clemson. He's a guy who didn't re I mean, he's only had one or not even one year as a starter, uh, but he kind of fits that mold that the Ravens like to draft in the secondary, the physical guys who may be a little raw, but <clears throat> have a lot of potential. I, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at his, at his, uh, at his arms, 32 and one eighth inch to be exact. I, I mean, he's just kind of a freak. And if the Ravens can find a way to hone his skills, he would, he could end up being a steal in the second, in the second. Round. Size matters to Ron size matters to Ron always. And Booth, I would be so happy if he falls into the second. I'm trading up from 45 to get him. Honestly, I, he is he is he is good enough to be a first round pick. I think for sure. I think he's he's shown enough flashes that he he's got the ability to just play cornerback at a high level. And I'm not I'm not sure if he's high enough on my board to take him at 14. Uh, but a trade back if he's still there, or trading up from 45 is definitely something I would want to do early on day two. 
Moving on, um, some some early sleeper ideas. I know it's still very early to think about sleepers because the combine is going to shake up the you know the combine that's coming up you know is going to shake up the ranking so much. But some early defensive sleeper ideas, some guys that you might think the the Ravens can snag on day three to make an impact. Kick us off, Benjamin. <laughs> guys, I'm about to do something shocking again. Oh, really? Oh my God. Okay, it's not Nick Benito this time. I promise. It is his. Fellow Sooner, a young man by the name of Brian Asamoa. Uh, I like this guy. Uh, he projects to be either a, in a 3-4 like Mike McDonald runs. He figures to be what we would have, um, basically what Malik Harrison's role is when, you know, when he's on the field. Um, but he honestly, he reminds me of Malik Harrison, but just, just a lot faster. You know what I mean? I mean, and... Right now, I don't know how high a lot of teams are on him, but he's just kind of that freakish athlete that if he has a good combine, I think he could shoot up. Yeah, he, he definitely could. Uh, definitely not shocked that he took somebody from Oklahoma. So if you're going to do that, then I'm going to take somebody from my favorite school. <clears throat> and this guy, he might even slip to day three. I think he could potentially be a day two guy, though. It's uh, Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State. Uh, I've been a big fan of this for a while. Big guy up front. Uh, you don't really hear too many people talking about him, though, but he consistently played well against uh, Big Ten offensive linemen where, I mean, we all know the reputation of Big Ten offensive linemen. They're pretty consistently the best in the country, and that's even including the SEC. So he's, he's a guy who I think isn't really getting a lot of flowers right now, but I think whoever snags him up is going to get a steal and a guy who can really help their defensive front. And I wouldn't be mad one bit if that ended up being the Ravens. Yeah, so I guess if we're all doing someone from our favorite schools, I'll throw one from the University of Maryland, which is probably my, like, the closest thing I have to a favorite, like, college football school. Uh, Nick Cross, safety, who I think is going to test pretty well at the Combine. Uh, a guy, I just think it's just draft him, you know, day three, rotational rotational safety defensive back, and will definitely be able to contribute on special teams, which is obviously something our good old friend Harbs is always going to be looking for in his late round draft picks, uh, and for good reason. And so that and uh, another guy, Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama, if, 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 Either we we don't address if we don't address corner early and we want to address it later, even if we you know address it on day two and we want to take another stab on day three. I think Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama has the skills and it's just about putting it together with the the technique and the frequency. And I think that coming to a team that has Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey on it is a great way to up your technique. Is just learn from these guys. These guys are you know yeah Marlon is known as a physical cornerback, but really when you watch Marlon and Marcus play quarterback, like they are technique, they're just masterful in their technique. And the other thing is they're leaders and teachers, you know, Peters is a teacher from, from this, the way he was on the sidelines when he was injured this season. And so while there are a lot of top tier cornerback prospects, I like, you know, and I'm, I'm definitely not about drafting solely for need. I do recognize that there are a fair amount of other I would argue more pressing or more immediate needs in terms of we don't have a starter at certain positions that we'll have to address earlier in the draft. And so I think day three, you want to look for a cornerback prospect who's got the physicals that we like. He's got the length, he's got the strength, and he's got some game tape that you can tell he knows how to use it, but he doesn't always know how to get himself in the best position to use it off the snap from his technique in terms of shadowing, uh, shadowing who he's covering. And so I think that's why he'd be a decent day three target. 
any other any other late round targets we want to mention, or can we move on to a little bit of a combine preview here? Uh, no, yeah, I'm all set. Let's talk combine, man. Yeah, so for me, the combine is it's it's half fun and it's half farce because the farce part of it is the kind of manufactured conditions of the combine, both in terms of these players spend all their time training for these drills, but also the the feeling of you know being watched and judged in this big stadium by all of these scouts uh, can also you know be tough to do your best athletic performance. You're not in the game, and you know you might not have that same intensity and adrenaline that you might normally in the middle of a game. And so that's why I'm always a little bit cautious about getting too hype over prospects. Uh, at the combine, but I also have to admit it's a boatload of fun. So what are we looking forward to at the combine? So I guess for this, we'll kind of say combine slash pro days, because I don't have the full list in front of me here of who is actually going to be at the combine and who's doing what, but, and just going back to a guy that we talked about before Jordan Davis, I'm interested to see how he kind of tests overall, just because he seems like a guy where some of the knocks on him are in terms of his, you know, can he be in shape? Can he have that uh, enough of a motor to be a consistent kind of every down guy in the middle? So I'm really interested to see how he does with like, you know, his cone drills, things like that in terms of his quickness and just seeing how he shows up in general in terms of being in shape. You know, has he been working hard or has he just kind of been resting on his laurels and assuming that he's just going to be drafted because he is who he is? Now, I'm obviously not saying he did that. I'm just interested to see if we see the best version of Jordan Davis or if we see a version that kind of causes him to fall even further down into the first round, maybe even the second, if it's that bad. I love the combine. I love the combine so much because every year the Ravens benefit from GMs overthinking it after watching a bad combine performance and they get a feel in the mid rounds like Orlando Brown. And every year, every year it makes me smile. So yeah, every just uh, I love it. I feel like GMs put a little too much, um, <clears throat> a bit too much stock in what happens at the combine, and like because it's a very, like you said, it's a very kind of like manufactured process. Like the forty times I never really loved because like they're not wearing pads, they're wearing like track shoes or whatever. They're not even running on grass. Like it's. I mean, it's fun to watch the guys, like, see who can, like, run fast or jump high. But I just – I mean, if the, if, it gets, if the Ravens get a good prospect out of it, like another Orlando Brown, I'd be, I'd be thrilled, quite frankly. Yeah, so th- I think the combine for me is really interesting for a couple of reasons, not just the, the testing but the measurements and the medicals, two things that are just huge for a lot of prospects. You know, someone like Justin Ross, uh, in terms of, like – if the Ravens add a if the Ravens add a wide receiver, it should be one of these extra random draft picks we have. I don't think it's worth spending money on anyone. I also am not really sure I'd spend a draft pick, but someone like Justin Ross, if he falls late and we're comfortable enough with his medicals, someone to grab, depending on how he looks at the combine. Uh, a couple other guys that intrigue me. I'm just curious on how the tight ends run. There's a lot of tight ends I'm curious about. They've got to be able, they've got to be big enough to block. One I've mentioned on the podcast before is Jelani Woods out of UVA just looked a lot faster at UVA than he did at Oklahoma state uh, in his first uh, year of college football. And seems like he's just got a lot more speed. And so he's like six, six 
massive, a, a good blocker, just a big body. And so if he runs fast enough for the combine, I'm curious to see what he does. And kind of the same thing with the tackles. I'm curious to see how the tackles, the offensive tackles do in terms of arm length, see which guys that some people think should be inside at guard, see if they have long enough legs or long enough legs, long enough arms to play outside at tackle. And then two other guys with specific drills I'm curious about. I'm curious how Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd run their 40 times. Those are two guys who you don't always get a chance to see how fast they are on tape or in in maybe longer distances. So I'm really curious to see, is Walker going to be that, you know, is he going to be a more slimmed down edge rusher or is he going to be really that hybrid hybrid front I can play inside outside but will he runs but will he lose step or be a little bit slower because of it I'm that's is what I'm mostly curious about yeah especially in the case of uh yeah Devin Lloyd too uh, as you mentioned he is so fast on the field he flies around him and Kobe Dean or it, ironically both of the guys you mentioned before they just it seems like they fly around out there like every single play like it's so consistent like they're very much both of them kind of the mold of middle linebackers today, as opposed to what we saw back in the days of like Ray Lewis and Erlacher and things like that. They're both much quicker on the field. And it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that translates in terms of their combine kind of numbers. Yeah, because I think you think about what we would want at, linebacker and one of the areas that we cover is struggling to cover tight ends. And so you need someone who's big and strong enough to stick with tight ends, but is also fast enough to stick with them too. And you're going to have to draft early to find guys with the athletics who can, who, who can, who can back that up, who, who can fit that mold. And so um, I'm just curious to see. And, and Devonte Wyatt is finally, I guess the other one I should mention, I know I've mentioned a lot of prospects, but again, giving a chance to see, does he have that top end burst that is really cream of the crop in terms of interior pass rush, or is he just another above average guy in terms of explosiveness in his first step? All right. Well, I think that about wraps up our pod gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Uh, we have the we have the combine coming up, and after the combine, uh, we're going to be recapping the combine, talking about wh- some of these performances and, and how they're going to affect our rankings and and which players we might want to target. Gentlemen, anything else you want to leave us with before we sign off here? Just to kind of enjoy these next couple weeks of free agent speculation because it's right around the corner. I mean, two weeks from today of the day that we're recording is when tampering starts, and as we all know, that's pretty much – you know, the date that free agency starts, I believe it's that Thursday. All the vast majority of the big names have already agreed to contracts before that in the first kind of three days of the week. So enjoy these next couple of weeks of speculation and uh, yeah, free agency right around the corner. So exciting times. All right, Ben, Ron, thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having everyone, all you listeners back again soon. <laughs>